Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's the goal of the Res Talk podcast to communicate some late breaking news and thoughtful insights into the broad array of topics in the ResNet ecosystem. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've been working in the HVACR and building performance markets for almost 30 years. I've been interfacing with the team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. After listening, if you like what you heard today and you not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk, that's R-E-S-T-A-L-K, into the search bar in the Apple Podcast app, Google Play Music, or Stitcher. That way you'll get episodes as soon as they launch. California Dreaming. Ryan Mears and Matt Christie, Matt's from TRC, and Ryan, of course, is from ResNet, will be joining us today to talk about the five-year journey, which is bringing together the California and ResNet energy rating standards, bringing them into harmony. So we'll be talking about recent changes in the California Energy Code, which is known to some as Title 24, including a new compliance path called Energy Design Rating, EDR, which is going to help move the two systems, the ResNet-HERS rating and the California rating, into alignment. So let's listen in as Matt and Ryan give us some insights into the process of harmonizing these two standards. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bill. Let's just get a quick background. Those of the listeners out there who are familiar with ResNet probably are are listening to the ResTalk podcast, but maybe TRC, that might be something new or different or, or something in need of a little bit of background. So Matt, could you explain what your role is and what you do? Of course, yeah. So I work with TRC, and we're a company that consults to utilities about energy efficiency policy and energy code. I mean, we do that nationwide, but in particular in California, where I've been working for the last nine years, consulting on Title 24 and its development and as it changes every three years and goes through its code cycles. And we also consult with utilities in California on above code energy programs and efficiency incentive programs that leverage Title 24 and sort of use its rubrics and systems to award incentive dollars to builders that go above code. Often a lot of the national builders that take part in ResNet in other states, but to this date haven't been able to use their ResNet scores in California until this upcoming change. That's interesting. So this change, is it likely to pass or likely to happen or it will happen? How's the outlook on that? From the Title 24 perspective, it will happen. This is written in stone. This is definitely happening. There are a couple little regulatory hurdles that need to get passed. Something needs to change at the CEC for them to allow ResNet builders to post and advertise their scores. The current agreement is that ResNet has entered into a sort of a research plan agreement to gather the final data to make that change happen. I know Ryan might have a better perspective on the likelihood of that going through. Sure. Let's switch over to Ryan to talk about the impact on ResNet. Yeah. So Matt's right. So there's some research that has to be done in order to basically understand how closely the energy design rating, which is the new California Title 24 provision, how closely that aligns with the HERS index. And we do know that they both have the same reference home, which is based on the 2006 IECC. And that's one of the big changes that allows them to start coming into alignment. But on June 20th, just last month, the California Energy Commission formally recognized a ResNet research project that will allow us to quantify how 
HERS rating, ResNet HERS ratings could be used by builders to market the energy efficiency of their homes while not providing any disruption within the CEC program because California has the California HERS rating, whereas the rest of the country primarily uses the ResNet HERS rating. So CEC did recognize this project and ResNet will be providing some funding. The board approved some funding to be used in order to undertake this research project to understand how closely aligned the ResNet HERS index will be with the energy design rating in California. Has this been an objective for a long time? Yeah, it, it certainly has. It's something that's been going on, ongoing for five plus years now in terms of working with the California Energy Commission to get them to recognize a ResNet HERS rating in California. And I think, as Matt mentioned, it's driven certainly by the national production builders that market their ResNet HERS ratings in all the other markets they build in outside of California, but can't necessarily market their ResNet HERS rating within California because of the regulations there. So it's been a a long, ongoing project spearheaded largely by our uh, executive director, who's Steve Baden, who's based in California. (laughs) Right, who's based in California. (laughs) I sat on a panel with Steve Baden at one of the ResNet conferences about five years ago with Steve and some people from the CEC and some people from CalCERTS, which is one of the HERS providers in California, and discussed this very, you know, right then we were outlining all the differences that are still partly there, that the reference home needs to be the same that there's some variation in terms of how energy is calculated under the hood, and then there's some variations by climate zone, and then variations in the engine itself. Sort of the four pillars that made the California system and the ResNet HERS system too variant to be used in California appropriately. And we sort of talked about, you know, what do you have to knock down? Which of those four variants do you have to really push at to get to a harmonized score? We've knocked down two of them, the EDR, the new energy design rating, which is the new metric California will use to judge code compliance, has the same 2006 IECC home as its reference building that is the benchmark to what 100 means on the score, which is the same as that resident uses, obviously. And then the other one that they're working on is having CBEC Res, which is the energy modeling platform of record in California, to have that build its own module to calculate the ResNet HERS score in California using the same engine. And by using the same engine, that just means the same algorithms for how water heating is treated, how a heat pump operates, how every little widget in the home, the envelope, every aspect, how the heat is transferred between the attic and the living space and the attic and the outside. All of those algorithms are now going to be using, once they finish this project, going to be based on CBEC Res for the California HERS scores should this all go through. So two of the four pillars have been knocked down and two pillars remain. And that's going to be the brunt of the research project is to confirm that those two variances aren't too drastic to make too big of a difference between what a REM rate or an ecotrope driven HERS score would result in versus this sort of new ResNet HERS in California score. So what's the nitty gritty of the research and who's doing it? So the CEC is undertaking the research and it is part of their CBEC res development team. And one of the things that they're going to be doing is developing a HERS index calculator module, the California Energy Commission accredited rating providers. So they accredit rating providers in the way that ResNet also accredits rating providers. And it would allow them to incorporate a ResNet HERS index module within the software that they use to calculate the California HERS score. And that's something that would only be allowed to be used 
within California, but it would allow the CEC accredited rating providers to also have a module within their, the software that they're used to using that would also produce the ResNet HERS index score. I got it. So Matt, you could give us a little bit of a background on sort of the overall roadmap in California, the California Energy Commission, the Title IV, Title 24 Energy Code. How far back does that reach and what's been the progression on that just for those listeners who might not be familiar? Yeah, so Title 24 and having an energy code started back in the late 70s, I believe, with the Warren Alquist Act. I can't remember the exact date. And then it's progressing ever since. And it was sort of steady advancements every three to five to six years. Sometimes code would be delayed. Sort of the same system you see in other parts of the country where, sure, there's an intention to update the code every three years, but that's not always met precisely. And there may be a three-year or a five-year cycle here and there. But then about 2013, the CEC got very serious about this. That's when they kind of woke up to the a call for zero net energy. And they put forward alongside the CPUC jointly, the big and the California utilities, what they were calling the big, bold strategy goals. And these weren't in law anywhere. These weren't legislative or, or mandated, but basically that residential new construction would be zero net energy by 2020. And commercial construction would be zero net energy by 2030. They kind of just laid those down in 2013, and that really kicked up a very aggressive three code cycles in a row. The 2013 code, the 2016 code, the 2019 code, all boom, boom, especially on the residential side where we're trying to hit this ZNE by 2020, such that this now that the 2019 code, which goes into effect on January 1st, 2020, there's a year's delay of the naming convention, which can get frustrating to talk about. But the 2019 code, which is the, the zero net energy code, is in force. And the last three code cycles between then and now have been dramatic improvements in rigor and stringency, uh, 25% better on energy every single year for every single code cycle for three in a row to get to where we are now. How is the market reacting, the builders, the consumers of housing? There are struggles. There are also others that have really taken into the fold. So there's a yin-yang between the energy efficiency programs, the incentive programs, and the utilities, and the code advancements. So the efficiency programs have been given aggressive dollars to builders to build above code every single code cycle. And what we have found is that those builders that took part in those programs and got those dollars and sort of learned to fail when it was voluntary and they were getting paid for it, really did learn some pretty aggressive advanced building practices. We've completely changed the norms with how attics are designed and handled in California. We are getting closer to changing the norms on walls. The prescriptive standard in California Title 24 for walls is a two by six wall with an R4 rigid exterior on the outside, which is, that's a pretty burly wall for most production builders to look at. That's sort of not how daddy's dad built it. And it's a big change in terms of easements and design. So there's been some extremely aggressive changes on the California Title 24 front, particularly as it pertains to envelope changes. That hit or miss builder to builder has been a little bit different to how well they've been able to respond to that. And as I started out with, the builders that took part in incentive programs and really saw the writing on the wall that this is going to keep getting more stringent every three years, they better do everything they can to build up to that new standard. They're doing pretty well. And they're really not having trouble achieving the 2016 code and don't think they're going to have trouble achieving 2019 code. The builders that didn't get ahead of the curve are struggling still. Going back to Ryan, 
you have a perspective, a national perspective, being with ResNet, all the other 49 states. And generally, people think of California is leading the charge here. Would you agree with that? Or are there other states that are in the same realm? Yeah, you know, I think California is the clear leader right now in terms of getting an energy code on the books. You know, there are other states that are working on some pretty aggressive energy codes, not necessarily something that's been worked through and finalized yet. So I think California is the leader here. And bringing in things like a mandate for solar PV systems, but also allowing for the use of battery storage for solar and not only allowing it, but allowing that the your battery storage to also lower your energy design rating score is also a big move. So there's a focus in California. Not It's not just about how much energy a home uses, but when they use that energy, which is something called the time-dependent valuation or TDV. And the ResNet HERS index doesn't currently account for that, but our board did approve a board subcommittee that will be chaired by David Goldstein to look into how can we incorporate within the HERS index when energy is used and not just how much energy is used. And that looks to be, it's a national trend. I mean, it's got to be. It's Yeah, it's all about peak demand, meeting that peak demand. And California's been using TDV for... 15 years or so, maybe more. I can't remember the exact time, but for a long period of time. And the way TDV operates is that the energy simulation engine works on an hourly basis. And it just says the home is using X kilowatt hours this hour and Y therms this hour. and then multiplies that out by a multiplier table. And the multiplier table is the TDV multipliers. There's one for every hour of the year, one a different column for kilowatt hours and a different column for therms from natural gas and actually a different column for propane as well. And it sort of embeds and encapsulates a whole lot of truths of the economic differences between energy used at one hour versus energy another and rolls it all up into a multiplier. So it includes transmission and delivery costs. It includes the marginal cost of energy at that hour. So in the summer twilight evening, when the peaking plants are going, that extra cost and that extra hardship on the grid is all encapsulated into the multiplier for that hour. And each hour gets a multiplier and they're drastically different. The the multipliers at 2 a.m. on on a February are very, very nearly negligible. And the multipliers on 5 p.m. in August are 30 times higher, 30x. So using energy at that August peak is really impactful to your overall energy, but your use up of your energy budget. That's the big difference between the California system. That's also what allows us to do battery storage as a code credit, because if you can show that you're saving energy off of your solar panels at noon, when the sun is glowing high and you've got plenty of production, and then you're using that energy out of your batteries at 5 p.m. during that peak, you can get a significant TDV credit because you're You're not using energy, you're storing energy of a certain TDV value and using it at a different time. And that load shifting and that time shifting has a dramatic difference and improvement to your overall scores in the system. But I imagine the TDV has to change periodically because the the generation and the costs are changing. Is that true? Yeah, the TDV multiplier is updated every three years with the code cycles. There's a fairly rigorous process for following through on the calculation of the TDV, you can look it up. It's run by E3 lately, has been the consultant that has been doing that work on behalf of the utilities who technically own it and contract out for it. But if you look up E3's TDV study for Title 24, you can come up with a ton of the background information of 
how it's derived and what the research is and where those numbers come from. And just a thought that pops into my mind, uh, net metering, does that play in at all to any of this? So net metering doesn't necessarily play in with Title 24 itself. California has net metering, and there's obviously, you know, there's rules about overgeneration and et cetera. The, the one place where net metering kind of came in was as we were trying to hit this zero net energy target, and as we were trying to use this solar mandate, is would it be appropriate and can you generate kilowatt hours off of your roof from solar to offset natural gas use in your house? And that's obviously a tricky situation because they're different fuels. You may be buying them from a different utility commodity. And necessarily, if you can do that, you're over-generating. You're putting more kilowatt hours into the grid than you're using annually because you're using that excess to offset therms that aren't coming off the electric grid. And essentially, when all the dust settled on that, the answer was no. It would not be economically appropriate to force, have the utilities force a code that forced overgeneration onto the grid because that adds a lot of cost to them that isn't offset by the therm rebalancing. And so the code as is, the solar mandate only has to cover the electric loads of the home that are common in a mixed fuel home. Very good. And one more topic of exploration for me personally is the blockchain. Does that conversation ever come up? The blockchain for you know community net metering and that that side of it, right, right, to understand dynamically the source specifically that kind of thing, and really uh, sort of make that whole TDV and the other factors and that metering be very dynamic. No, there's nothing like that on the horizon that I'm aware of. Not from the regulatory side, you know, not from the CC and the policy and the utilities. I hear through green tech media and other sources that are looking into the future of energy and the future of net metering that yes, the blockchain-based accounting systems for energy procurement and energy sharing are being explored and, and even being piloted in certain places. I've heard of pilot with schools in New York City that an ex-colleague of ours helped is now starting to work on or has been working on, but not on the regulatory level for California. That's a bridge a little bit too far even for now. It's a future topic. Yeah. We'll be back to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So Ryan, don't want to feel you, uh, you've you been excluded from this end of the conversation. Do you have some more thoughts to share with us? I think what it comes down to, one of the things that came to mind is I frequently, when I give presentations, I, I have a map that I show, which shows the percentage of new construction starts that have received a HERS rating in each state. And Every time I've given this presentation, someone raises their hand and says, why is California so low? Because it comes in at like 2% of new homes in California have received a ResNet HERS rating. And so the number of homes in our the ResNet buildings registry that are in California is very low. As a matter of fact, I looked it up before our call today. And in 2018, there were just over a thousand HERS ratings for single family homes in California. Compare that to uh, the new construction starts, which were over 62,000 just for single family homes. And you can see the potential for ResNet HERS ratings to happen in California once we move through the this research project and actually try to make a change to the regulation there so that ResNet HERS ratings can be recognized. In California, there's a potential for a significant number of ratings to be added to our National Buildings Registry for HERS rated homes. Is there any impact on the practitioners, the actual raters? So for the actual raters, there's few, if any, ResNet certified HERS raters in California. And that's because they have their own California 
HERS rating system. And so they have their own process for accrediting raters and also providers. And so there are HERS raters that do work within California. Some of them are based there and some of them are based in Nevada as well. In adjoining states, sure. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of uh, HERS ratings in Las Vegas, for example. So there's a potential once the research project is completed and assuming that we can get ResNet HERS ratings recognized in California, then we would recognize, I believe the way it's going to work is we would recognize the CEC accredited rating providers to also do ResNet HERS ratings within California. So a grandfathering of sorts? Yeah, I think. The details I don't believe have been worked out, but I think that's basically how it will work. The role of a California HERS rater is different than the role of a ResNet HERS rater. They're related, obviously. They're doing diagnostic tests on homes to detail and quantify the energy use for various aspects of the home's construction quality. But a California HERS rater is regulated by the CEC. It's a, the providers are regulated by the CEC. The raters themselves are certified by those providers under the CEC regulation. And technically, they are special inspectors on behalf of the building departments. And their job is to conduct these diagnostic tests that require specialized skills, blower doors, refrigerant charge, those kind of things, that require specialized skills that the typical building department doesn't have on staff. This regulated handoff where these particular energy tests are performed by the California HERS rater. That's the end of their official job, is just to do these six or eight tests fill out the forms, and upload them on the California HERS registry. They are not the ones that are producing the energy models, and they're not the ones that are producing the score. Often, it's someone within their company, and occasionally, it's the same person, particularly mom and pop shops, but those would be the energy consultants in California. And there's a whole suite of energy consultants, and there's an association called KBEC, the California Association of Building Energy Consultants, that is a trade organization that helps organize them. And Within that structure, they have their own designation, the CEA, the Certified Energy Analyst, which is someone who has been trained and certified to understand code and understand Title 24 code and energy modeling and building science as it pertains to California Title 24 code and produce those models. So I think as we move forward, there may be some need to kind of recognize that variance, whereas a ResNet HERS rater is sort of Maybe it's multiple people in the same shop, but it's the modeler and the rater are often more entwined than it is in the California system. Would you agree with that, Ryan? Yeah, that's correct. Actually, the fastest growing certification that ResNet has right now is actually the rating field inspector. So we are starting to see this kind of specialization where originally it was the HERS rater and the HERS rater did field inspections, they did energy modeling. And actually another committee that our board approved, a board subcommittee, is looking into the possibility of having a HERS rater modeler designation. So a kind of a specialization within a HERS rater where their primary focus is just on energy modeling. Because we're seeing such an increase in rating field inspectors in the popularity and the use of those, and that's driven somewhat by kind of the business needs of rating companies, but also by the demand for blower door and duct leakage testing for energy code compliance as well. So the RFIs are also used certainly to do energy code compliance testing as much as they are for HERS ratings. So gentlemen, thank you for the coverage of this topic. I want to allow you the chance to provide any closing thoughts here. So we'll go first to Ryan. The importance certainly to 
the big production builders that are doing a lot of hers ratings and working in California as well as other markets is we see a light at the end of the tunnel here after five years of work with CEC and hope that ResNet hers ratings can eventually be recognized will be recognized within California and those production builders that are building in California markets will be able to use that, be able to market their HERS rating. And for raters that are working in California, the potential to be able to increase their business doing HERS ratings there as well. Very good. Matt, any closing thoughts? I think the key point of this initiative that it was going to make it work is that they're working directly with CBEC Res, the energy modeling platform of record in California. Every home in California, every new construction home ends up getting a CBEC res model because that's what's required to comply with Title 24, or at least there's an alternative option that no one takes because it doesn't work for the, most of the market. But a pretty 99.9% of homes get a CBEC res model in California. And those who know how to build those models and build them up, if they can just click another button and have the engine in the background do a slightly different calculation and spit out a HERS score that ResNet will recognize, that's going to be the true essence of success here to make this very viable. I'm applauding Steve and Ryan and the ResNet crew for making sure that that's a priority and working with the CEC and their CBEC Res development team to make that a truism. Very good. Well, gentlemen, thank you for this conversation today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Ryan, as always, we hear you back here a lot of times. You got a lot going on. And Matt, wonderful meeting you and talking to you today. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. I want to thank you for listening to today's Res Talk podcast as Ryan and Matt explained what's going on in terms of the ResNet HERS ratings and the California ratings coming into closer harmony. If you're a pro in the building market, you might want to surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or to join the email list. You can also find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. The Twitter handle's at ResNet, R-E-S-N-E-T-U-S, ResNet U-S. Our quote for the day is from Lance Gross. It's shown and proved that hard work pays off. Make goals, achieve them, make new goals. I think that's exactly what was exemplified today with Ryan and Matt discussing this five-year journey for the harmonization of the standards. If you've not subscribed, please do so. And also, we want to thank you for listening to the ResTalk podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the ResTalk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn. Produced by Brian Orr and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes of the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk. Talk.